You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Tuesday morning, I get a text message from James Fox, Future Sox, SI. I believe we were the first podcast he ever was on, like two and a half years ago. Good friend of the show, and Ed, it was a message of apology because he went on another podcast. And I was like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Then I sat in the corner and cried for two hours, but I'm over it now. I have a guest today that no other podcast gets. Uh, He is exclusive. To Sacks in the Basement, we'll talk about him in moments. How was the holidays, my friend? The holidays were good up until, yeah, I would say, yesterday. Really? Two days ago. Why? Yeah, you know, because then I started watching a real team that has real World Series aspirations <laughs> start making moves that my White Sox seem to be unwilling or unable to make. Oh, we're going to get into that. Another thing that James asked me was, like, he asked something about you. He's like, Ed sounds pretty good. Is he permanent? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's permanent at this point. He was like, awesome. So you got a fan out there on Socks in the Basement, brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solution. Folks, if you have any issues in your basement, foundational issues, the sump pump, you're not sure if it's going to last in the spring. Remember, after the snow melts, basements flood. They got a free estimate anytime that you're ready, and they got money off if you mention Sacks in the Basement. The phone number is right there on the logo for Sacks in the Basement on whatever podcast player that you are using, or if you are at SacksInTheBasement.com, the website there as well, FAMWS.com. The guest today, Ed, is a once a year treat. We normally do it for his birthday. He turned 70 this year, and we could not do it because of COVID lockdowns, but now we've all been in the bubble together. We're like the NBA without skipping out of the bubble and pretending that we're actually still in the bubble. That's what we're doing in the Lanuti household. And my father, Ed Lanuti, 70 years old, sitting at the nine-foot homemade oak bar, his annual trek down here to talk White Sox. Dad, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I came down here to talk White Sox and uh, drink at this bar. Yeah. The the trick with this whole show is going to be that there's two Eds. And then you and I have similar voices. So good luck to everybody for the next 30 minutes. All right. Well, and I get to I get to say, as I sometimes do, that two ads are better than one. So you're all in for a real treat. <laughs> you wrote an article, buddy. I thought it was great. It's up at SaxonTheBasement.com. And first, you, you stole a famous poem, uh, but you made it enjoyable. It was very funny. I got it. And then you kind of went through uh, best case, worst case, and most likely scenarios for a lot of things with the White Sox. Give everybody a quick rundown before we dive into things today. I did a Twas the Night Before Christmas remix, if you will, towards Rick Hahn, at least Twas a couple days after Christmas, anyhow. Uh, and then the the best and worst case scenario and the likely scenario, I'm doing a two-parter. So you got this week, I recap some of the key stuff that happened in 2020. And the next week, I'm going to predict uh, a little bit into 2021 some of the things that we are looking forward to happening and how those things are going to play out. So uh, every week, I will I will put something up on the Socks in the Basement blog, uh, the Mismatched Socks blog, and, and I hope everybody enjoys and gets something out of it. The other thing I delved into this week was I did a little reaction to the Blake Snell and now you Darvish trades for the Padres, which doesn't seem like it's appropriate for a Sox blog, but when you're sitting here waiting for your GM to do something and you watch another team do something, um, I feel like you kind of have to say something. But I don't get the uh, outrage over it. And Dad, jump in anytime that you hear something here. Feel free. Look, they're not in my league. 
they, they have decided they're going for it. Like they, they cleaned out their prospect list. They're gone. It's Mackenzie Gore and like a bag of balls. That's all that's left in the Padres system at this point. I mean, they, they pretty much have cleaned everything out and they did it because first of all, they have a new ownership group or they have like a turnover in the ownership. A new person's basically got the majority over there and you've got a GM that's like, I better win before they pick their own guy. And maybe he's got a mandate like we want to win. We want to win now. You don't know what's going on over there, but they basically cleaned house, brought in a lot of payroll. I mean, Snell and Darvish still have money that's owed to them and got rid of an awful lot of prospects and signaled, we intend to compete with the Dodgers and we intend to win a championship. They also have started the clock on their window because guess what? When you get rid of all your prospects, your rebuild will eventually end like it's ending for the Cubs this week. So they're going for it, but it will end at some point. They're definitely in a win now mold. And don't get me wrong. I'm not outraged. What I'm, what I'm doing is, is for people who are outraged at this and think the Sox should have gone out and got Blake Snell. Well, what I did was I kind of looked at it and a number of other places have looked at it too. And I would suggest that people read up on this because if you look at what they gave up for Blake Snell, you're right. They gave up a lot to get him. And there's a lot of things that the Sox don't have in terms of bullets in their gun to make a trade like that, that the Padres did. So good for the Padres if they were able to get Blake Snell. Um, I don't know what the Cubs were doing with that new Darvish trade. I think everybody who's looked at it, uh, you know, I was reading uh, a couple of uh, recaps of it, and basically they got a bunch of teenagers and a bunch of guys that are maybe going to pan out, and then they got Zach Davies, which congratulations on that hot Zach Davies action, Cubs. You're going to really enjoy a guy who throws a changeup 40% of the time and will probably get you a bunch of innings, if not anything else. Yeah, that's that. it was an ugly trade. I think if the White Sox aren't in Chicago, they beat that Padres trade. But 100%. Any deal with the Cubs, you're going to have to overspend because the Cubs can't look bad after the last deal with the White Sox. You know, here's a question, Dad. Uh, you're 70 years old. Glorious 70 at this point. You're clearly in the at-risk category. You could drop on me at any moment. All right? So... You were, you were eight years. to set him up with oh, a he's nice, a lot of fun, uh, ain't he? Good feel, yeah. yeah. Here, before you're dead, answer this question, please. Yeah. He's so. getting a vaccine well before the rest of us, okay? So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's the deal. You, you're eight years old because your birthday's at the end of the year. You're eight years old when the White Sox go to the World Series in 1959. You have to wait until you're 54 years old for the next time they go and finally win a World Series, and that's it. Would you rather... Be the kind of team that builds for this long-term sustainable winning thing that Rick Hahn keeps saying that he's going to have, which is why he seems to not want to empty his uh, his bank of prospects and go for it. But you don't know if you're going to win a World Series or at your very late stage in your life, would you prefer that the White Sox sell everything and win now? I think the White Sox are, uh, I think they're going the right way here. They've got a lot of good players they don't have enough pitching. I think they're sitting back and see what does Dylan Cease do? Is he just going to be a teaser like Garland, have three good innings and blow up and then have and, and lose the game in the fourth or fifth inning every day? Which is what John Garland was until he had that run really good year. He had one good year. <laughs> yeah, one good and year. And he won the World Series in that one good and he, year. And he went to the next team he went to, the Angels, I think, and he did the same thing there. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I mean, where are you at right now? I, I We were just talking about this before we came in the air. What's on? What are the White Sox doing? I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to spend all this money or give away their prospects yet. I think they just want to see if these guys are for real for for a full season. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Han looks at his team the same way 
that the Padres are looking at their team. They're saying we can win the World Series this year. The White Sox are a contender and are a stronger contender if they make moves. But I'm starting to believe that the White Sox also are like, let's see how we do in a full season with these guys before I really know where the holes are in this team. And I also want to see what happens with the CBA and how everything goes here before I start putting all my cards on the table in 2022. It, 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 you're selling, it's our time now, but deep down, I don't know if they believe that it's their time now, right now. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Did you know my father had a tryout with the Kansas City Royals? Oh, please. They, they, I did not know he that. He had no. a tryout oh, yes, with the did. Kansas City Royals. Yeah, that was a great Tell us. I want to hear this story. Well, my father had a tryout with the Kansas City I was, Royals. We were out with my, I was out with my cousin Tim one night having a libation, and at one in the morning he said, you know, there's a tryout tomorrow for the Kansas City Royals. And this is in Chicago. The in Royals Chicago. Were trying they were going to do Chicago. a tryout down on 39th Street down there. I can't remember the name of the park. What year about is this? Oh, this had to be 19, early 71, maybe. One of you guys are rocking one of those 70 stashes. Yeah, 70, you got yeah. the short shorts on. So we went out. So we decided, why don't we go, let's try out. So we got to put our cutoff shorts on and our tennis shoes. Nice. We're hungover. We went down there, and all these get people are in uniforms, and they had some deal if you, you know, like they send you to college, and they didn't really t- tell us to do much. Quiet guys go out in the outfield and shag some flies for us. You tell me they didn't take you seriously. No, nah, they didn't take us seriously. <laughs> so, so we said that's it. So we went to the bar and. Couple guys came in and I said, "That's why Kansas City will be a second division club ever forever." They didn't sign us, right? And from that point forward, I mean, look what happened to the Royals. Yeah. Not much. They actually Not got much. good. No, it's yeah. been George Brett in one good year. <laughs> they just right? got so. good. Yeah, you were you were almost on that team with George Brett. Like you yeah. were that close. Oh, yeah, well, he played third. I was going to try out for third, so it probably wouldn't have worked for him. <laughs> See, yeah, you would have been blocked from from really making an impact, and that's it's understandable. You'd want to go to a different organization. Though, yeah. so. Can you can you imagine there'd be like that one fan going, "Man, they're blocking this Lanuti with this Brett guy." <laughs> and if this if it wasn't you know the early seventies and then it was twenty twenty, that right. guy would have a podcast. Right. He'd be sitting there going, right. "You got to get rid of this guy, and you got to let Lanuti come up, and you got to let him take over. He's they, the future." They'd be breaking down his analytics and his launch angle from sixteen inch softball up at Grand Park. Like right. that's- <laughs> yeah, at least I can always tell everybody I tried out for you a Major League out, Baseball Dad. Club. You tried out for a Major yeah, League Baseball go. Club. Good for you. Okay, so uh, we, we're seeing the Cubs get torn down this week with Darvish leading, and already it sounds like Contreras is the next guy on the block. And, uh, of course, they're going to probably shop Bryant. I don't think there's a market yet for him, but there will be at the end. 
and they're going to tear their thing down. And I see a lot of White Sox fans rejoicing over it. And look, I enjoy uh, Cubs plight just like every other Southsider. But they sure. did they did do a rebuild that resulted in a World Series. And we haven't gotten to that yet in this rebuild. And if we don't get what they got, at minimum, it's a complete failure. So I'm all for the let's make our window as wide open as possible. But at some point, you got to go for it because they went for it. I felt like their biggest mistake, and somebody here correct me if I'm wrong, their biggest mistake was not when they threw all their cards in to go win in 2016. Their biggest mistake was, imagine this team, if they don't, overpay for Jose Quintana because they're trying to win a World Series right away again the next year or two years afterwards. Because let's think about this. Like, nobody really wins World Series in bunches. And back-to-back is incredibly hard. Your pitchers go much further into the season. They get an extra month or so on their arm. There's all this extra stuff. Remember when Burley came out? I mean, just for White Sox fans in 06, he was like dead arm. At the beginning of 06, Contreras was like dead arm. Like all these guys are like, everybody was like just worn out from the long, the long off season and the, and the deep run into the postseason the year before to win the World Series. The Cubs, imagine them if they were able to sit there and say, yeah, we can't afford this guy. We can't afford this guy, but we can retool and we've got Aloy Jimenez locked in and we've got Dylan Cease here in the rotation. There wouldn't be as much like they wouldn't be so down their fan base. So that's my biggest fear as a White Sox fan is that. I want to push in my cards at the right time, but I also don't want us to get greedy. They got greedy. Their window might have stayed open a little bit longer if they wouldn't have gotten so greedy. Am I right or am I wrong? No, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. I think a lot of people would look at the past couple of years when they picked up Kimbrel and he was he's been awful and he was already awful when they picked him up too. They like believed in this guy and he was already a bad player. Yeah, he was already on the downslide. The tr- the trade though where they sent. Jimenez and Cease over here for Quintana was an overpay, which thanks Cubs. You know, I mean, I I think everybody would agree that thank you to the Northsiders for overpaying for a guy who really, if you look at Quintana's career numbers, not an ace, very, very good, very reliable pitcher, not going to win them a world series. We're talking about bringing him back as maybe a fourth or fifth starter. I mean, that's, you know, you're not sitting there going, Oh, we're reunited with our number one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you, you see things like that, but that's not the only trade that they made like that. You know, they, they traded away other guys for rentals. They traded away, uh, you know, they were never able to develop pitchers behind any of these free agents, Lester, that they signed. So there's there's nothing there's nothing in there, in their minor league system. There's nothing coming up to replace a free agent bust or a guy that's just a rental that they don't want to re-sign because he's too expensive. So I think they they did a good job rebuilding and getting that core group that they're now starting to tear apart, but their entire basis around it, which to your point earlier about Rick Hahn not throwing in all of his chips at the wrong time, their idea was we're just going to keep dumping money into this team until we find somebody from some other organization that can do this. And it led to, we're not going to pay Jake Arietta. We're going to turn around and we're going to overpay you Darvish who now has a huge contract and for you know the first year or so didn't live up to it because he was hurt. And they made mistakes like that over and over again. But I think I think you got as good a point as any at, at which their window started to fall shut. Oh yeah. And it closed earlier and I think that they wanted it to. Dad, in 70 years, um, and I'm gonna keep bringing up how old you are throughout <laughs> the entire show. In 70 years of being a White Sox fan, can you think back to a time where the Sox were a good team 
going into an offseason where you felt like there was a piece or two where they were away from being a big-time team and they missed out on somebody? There were a couple times, uh, 67 White Sox were were really good team. They were in first place the entire— That was the last time it was a full— There was just an American League and National League. And that team was in first place until the last weekend. And the Red Sox passed them, they, but they had no hitters. So what they do is they go out and they trade some people away and they get Tommy Davis from the Dodgers. He was a big hitter. I, don't, I think he had two hits in the first two months. And, and the team just slid away and everybody thought, oh, what, a, what the heck. And then the same thing happens. Another one was 84. The 83 White Sox were so good. And in 84, they go out and they get, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Seaver. They get Tom Seaver. Right. And they join him in a, in a pitching, and they had a really good— And uh, you're thinking to yourself, like, look oh, how good we were last year. Oh, now yeah. we just got Tom now we got freaking Seaver, Seaver. And we're just going to blast. Right. We're going to win this right. thing. But exactly. no, and, and they were terrible again. Well, they weren't terrible, but they, they, but they had no chance. And so, yeah, right now I sit here and I go— what happens is we won this, the, we won, uh, we made the playoffs. We didn't win this division with this no. team. All we right? would have made the playoffs under the regular rules from the year before. Right. But yeah, you're right. We didn't win the division. So, so we, we get in the playoffs and now what are we doing? We're, we added a couple pitchers. We added a, we added some uh, little help. You know, we need some help in the bullpen and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't get, you know, so I don't go not, crazy. You see, you're not crazy about no. this because you're like, look, look. Put your team together, but anything can happen between anything the beginning of the season and midway through the season and the end of the season. You could be great on paper and fall apart. You could be a team that you told me, I want to say it was February or March of 2005, we're going to be the best fourth, fourth place team in baseball. Yes, I did. That's what you told me in 2005. And I tell you something, too. I, I, the best fourth place team in baseball. That was the expectations of the 05 team. And I, you know what? Yeah. And I wasn't the only guy. I, who I, I believe that. I was <laughs> One of the guys I was talking to all the time, he worked for the White Sox, and I knew him real well. And he was came back from spring training, and he said, I said, how's that team look? He says, we got a bunch of 250 hitters. I don't know what this team's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they won the World Series. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can make if your your team evolves. You know, come January, come uh, March, uh, May, I mean May, April. You know, you start you, by June, you figure out what you got, and you can you can kind of put your team together. And that that, that trade at the uh, all at the uh, around the All Star break, that's the that's the one that you can really help yourself. I mean, the White Sox in '67, they had a chance to get Ken Harrelson. All right. Back when it was more about his hitting and it, it less was, about his talking. Right. He he was right. he was a good player, and and the Sox couldn't get a hit. They were hitless wonders. They, they, if they scored three runs, they won a game. There was no way nobody beat them if they scored three runs. And they, all they needed was a, was a damn hitter, and they wouldn't trade anything or spend any money to go get Ken Harrelson, and he was out there. So what happens? The Red Sox pick him up, and they end up winning a, winning a pennant and go to the World Series. Right, so what you're World telling Series. me is that the White Sox were cheap and made bad moves well before Jerry Reinstorf. For a long time. <laughs> it's just a long line of cheap <laughs> owners. Right. <laughs> hey, honey, what's this? Village Batch, handcrafted Greek goods. Three brothers, Southside-born, diehard White Sox fans, and they sent us a box of goodies. Ooh, what's that? Organic extra virgin olive oil. Oh, what's that over there? Raw organic honey. There's also balsamic vinegar, olives, sea salt flakes, organic dried herbs you can use in any of your recipes. These guys are great. All of their products are sourced directly from small scale family farms in the Arcadia region of Greece. They pay a premium for the crop, package, import, and self-distribute the products. And by doing that, they get a very fresh premium product without breaking the bank. And you're gonna love the olive oil. 
they don't filter it. That means more flavor. That means it has more health benefits. This sounds great. Where do we get more? They're at Pete's Fresh Market, Mariano's, over at County Fair Foods on Western. Now get 25% off all online orders using the promo code BASEMENT at villagebatch.com. Now you brought up, you brought up 83. And I think this is a great segue, Ed, because you and I could sit there and talk about Tony LaRusso, but we were kids, right? I mean, Tony yeah, LaRusso was I, the we, manager. We don't have... Yeah, manager of our childhood, right? And yeah. you, you find it, I find it interesting. There was a group of people who didn't even have Tony LaRusso as a manager in any period of their lives who are the younger White Sox fans. And my father was like Tony's age. Or possibly older than Tony when Tony got in there. I don't know. Mm, no, he's, he's 77. He's so you, you're, you're you're seven years younger than him. But right. you, you're in the same ballpark. Like if you ran into in a bar, you might have a beer with a Tony LaRusso. I'm sure we would. <laughs> okay. Just make sure so, he doesn't drive home now. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tony would have a beer with you. Yeah, you sure. <laughs> And you'd be like, and at that time you'd be like, I'm a police officer. And he'd be like, I might need your card. Like that's kind of <laughs> how it would work. Okay. So, so anyway, tell me your impressions on the Tony LaRusso hire. And also what you remember good and bad about Tony LaRusso the first time around with the White Sox. Well, you know, when they hired him, I was a little, I was a little set back. I thought he was kind of getting up there maybe, and he wouldn't want to do this anymore. But it, as a manager, when he was to the White Sox, he was a pretty good manager. I mean, he gets he had a little fire in his belly, and I don't know if he still has that, but uh, I mean, he was a good manager. He handled pitchers well. I mean, he was one of those guys that pushed the five, the fifth starter. It, it, people were only going with four starters. He was one of those guys that said he went to a fifth starter, hit five man rotation. So he Tony Larusa is one of the pioneers of yes, the five man rotation. Yes, and, and and he was a because people tell me he can't think outside no, of the no, box. No, 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 no. He's no, he's good manager, no. and he could. He, I tell you what, though. And he was quiet for the most part, but he could get fired up. And if he got fired up, boy, he was he was funny. I remember they played a game against against uh, the Baltimore Orioles in '83 before the, this wasn't the playoff series. And there was a play at third, and the umpire called the guy out. And he was he was obviously safe. And that fight went on for about five minutes. He's kicking dirt. Then he takes third base out and throws it into the stands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as I like managers as like he this. walks off the field. Right. You know, and everybody thought he was kind of laid back, but no, he could get he can get fired up. And and the other thing is. If, if players dogged it, he was one of those managers that when they came off the field, the guy did not go back on the field, all right, if he thought a guy was dogging it. He I took like him out of the game. So I got a feeling, you know, everybody says he's 78 years old, but he's still going to be old school. I think, he, you know, he's not he's not dead. And so he, he's going to sit there he, and he's going to tell them, well, this is what I want. And I think he's, actions will be speak louder, louder than words with him. If you don't do what you want to do, you'll find yourself on the bench, I think. Let's talk about something else, though, that I can follow up on that. So... Also, around the same time that Tony La Russa is managing the White Sox and he's a young manager, there were a lot of managers in Major League Baseball that were old guys. Like Sparky Anderson, as a child, looked to me that he might have been 104 while he was managing the Tigers there towards the end. I don't know if that's his real age, but as a child, he looked at least 103, maybe 104. Their old managers used to be the thing. Yeah, there was a lot. There were a lot of old managers. I mean, he's not the first guy. I bet there's a lot of guys that managed in the in the nerder 70s. Right. Like your managerial career could still be right around the corners, which you're yes, talking. yeah, well, yeah. Well, I can't, I can't get, I can't try out for the team anymore. No, I'll tell no, you that. that that window is closed. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I hear the tryouts are a little less physical for managers. You know? 
just got to get home after a night out. Yeah. After <laughs> dinner was, with your friends, you just got to get home. I always love the managers that can't fit in a uniform. Those are my favorite managers. Oh, a Tommy Lasorda? Oh, yeah, yeah, they got to wear, they gotta wear like a pullover jacket or something. Well, didn't to go didn't there. LaRusa, like I remember he liked to wear the jacket all the time, yes, right? He, yeah. But didn't he sometimes just wear the jacket, no shirt? Like I seem to remember, there were a oh, couple of games know, in the I summer where Tony used to just rock the the old school White Sox jacket with it zipped halfway down to show off his his fine Italian chest hairs. Like I remember that vividly as a child. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you may be thinking of somebody completely different, Chris. Give me the guys that you enjoy watching the most, and maybe remind you of a player in the past that we would be like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, it'd be kind of a fun comparison. Like, or is there just a player that you look at and you go, wow, that guy's good. Like, I always tell the story that we're sitting at the ballpark, Ed, and my father looks at me. We used to go all the time. He told me this when I got when I got older. He got season tickets so he could have conversations with his son in his teenage years. He's like, you wouldn't tell me anything that was going on with you. I'd take you to a ball game. You would spill your guts about everything. I'd buy you some nachos. I'd get you a few hot dogs. I know everything going on in your life. This is why I had partial season tickets in the outfield. Okay? Smart man. That's what he did. That's how, he, He's like, he's like, you got to get you out of the house and get you sitting down, and I have a beer, and then you're like, ah, I'm sitting with my father at a game. You tell me everything that's going on. So he's like, that was what we used to do. And I also remember, though, he looked at me one time. Frank Thomas was up, brand new. Gets a two strike, an 0-2 count, gets a hits a laser into the outfield. And my father goes, I haven't seen anybody hit a ball like that since Ted Williams. You got his baseball card? And I go, yeah. And he goes, hold on to that. He's going to be really good. And that was when he was brand new. Okay? He's yeah. like, that. that is a completely different kind of player. Does anybody jump out at you right now? Oh, I'm, me? I tell you what, a guy I think is really good is Jimenez. Over Robert. Oh, I, everybody's all like Gaga no, over Robert. No, I think I think Jimenez reminds me of the guy who who enjoys going up in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning with two men on base and two outs against a really good pitcher. He enjoys it. You can see it in his face. He's like a Reggie Jackson. Yeah, he's a I think he's I think he could become a really good clutch hitter. I remember Lou Pinella. Lou Pinella played in the Yankees and he had really good players. And Lou Pinella was a he was the right fielder, I think, and he was hitting about two sixty, two seventy. But boy, in the, in the eighth inning, if you had Lou Pinella come up, he got a hit every time. He was a pain in the ass. Just elevated his game. He elevated his game, and I think I think I see that with uh, uh, Timmy Anderson too. Timmy Anderson is another guy that likes to hit when it when a big moments. You I like think. the swag, don't you? Like a lot I, of people I think do. the older people don't like the oh, swag. No, no, I you're like digging that. the Timmy I Anderson like swag, the flips, the talk. You like that stuff. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do. I like it. I and I and I like a guy who's you can see it you can see it in their face. They're confident hitters when they walk up to the plate, you know. And they're not worried about anything. And I, you know, some of these guys, yeah, they're good players, but when they get in hit eighth inning, ninth inning, they're not that great clutch hitter. And I but I see Jimenez as the kind of guy that I thought if he got when he got hurt in that game against Oakland, it, I said, We're done. Because he, he would have got two more chances to bat. And 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 they couldn't get him out. They and he would have gotten two more hits. He would have got two and more he hits. Driven in several more yes, runs. Yes. And he would have won that game. He would have won that game for that. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the thing that gets lost on it because everybody thinks about the pitching. Yeah. Who cares about the pitching? Aloy Jimenez, if he would if he would have been healthy in that game, yeah. White Sox win that game. Win that game. I think you're right about that. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah, one. You know, I, I get the same feeling watching Jimenez come up is you know in say 05 and 06 when Jermaine Dye would come to the plate. Like, didn't you feel like when Dye would come up, like, all right, he's locked in, he's paying attention. He's not going to swing a crap. He might not get the hit. He brought up Jermaine Dye in 05, but you had, I want to close with this one. I want to close with the Joe Creedy story. Oh, because the Joe interesting, Creedy. The interesting yeah. perspective. Now, remember, the White Sox have blown it in August of 05. They have, they're falling apart in September. 
the Indians have pulled within, I don't know, a game. Somewhere in there, half game. I think yeah, it's half game. There were two plays in that game. The we right were there, right? Game. And this guy, this guy goes to the big pivotal game, Sox Indians. Yeah, the Sox Indian game. There right. were two big plays. The first one was uh, what's Coco Coco Crisp? As I said, his name was yeah, Coco yeah. Crisp. Coco Crisp named is, after the cereal. He's up the bat. His dad he's was up a the big bat, fan. and they got a man on the Indians. They have a man on third. There's two outs, and he hits a slow ground ball into the hole at short, and Coco Crisp. He runs like the wind. He could run. And Juan Arebe, he goes over there, and I put my head down. I go, son of a bitch, we're going to lose this game. And he throws him out. It was like a cannon going across that field. And then the next— He could flat-footed throw out any ball. Yeah, he he threw him out by by a step. And the next thing comes—the next inning, Creedy comes up to bat, and we were sitting down low. And we were sitting down behind home plate down low. He comes up the bat. And he I'm gives looking, Joe Creedy a pep and I, talk. And I start yelling at him. He starts telling Joe, 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 you're the man. Joe, you're the man. He looks over at me. He gets in the batter's box, hits home run, win the game. Yeah. He made eye contact with Joe. <laughs> so there you go. Told Joe Creedy he was the man. Joe Creedy walks it off. Dad did that. I don't think I did it. He was dad like, did it. Take no, there credit, was a, Dad. There was a clutch hitter right there. Take credit, That's Dad. There was a clutch hitter. I take credit for the fact that when Ozzie Guillen was saying, send me a lineup, I sent oh, him the yeah, lineup yeah, that yeah, he used. Yeah, yeah. I sent that exact lineup that he went to. Okay, he puts die in a three spot. I mean, I spent, I sent that entire lineup to him. He switched his lineup. They went on that ridiculous run. They went eleven and one in the postseason. I, I sent it to him for my for my Hotmail account. I take full credit. I'm still waiting for my ring. All right. I take full credit for any weight loss that former Royals catcher Sal Fasano has undergone because I called him Fat Sano from the stands for about <laughs> seven innings one game. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.